The views and opinions expressed in the Pisada Tales are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent those of the people, institutions, or organizations that they may or may not be associated with professionally or personally unless explicitly stated. Any content provided by the host and guests are of their own knowledge and opinion and do not intend to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. Hello. Jay here. Uh, before we begin this week's episode, I would just like to give a quick shout out and thank you to the people at the Podcast PH Facebook group and also to the Philippine Podcast Directory. So over the past uh, few days, over this weekend rather, I've had the pleasure of meeting some of the good people there over at Podcast Page and at PPD. Uh, I've immersed myself in the podcasting community here in the Philippines, and it's really a wonderful treat, you know, to meet all these different podcasters and their different um, topics that they talk about in their own podcasts. You know, I'm just really happy to be a part of that as well. And you can check them out on Facebook. Look up uh, Podcast PH and the Philippine Podcast Directory. This is not an ad, by the way. Uh, you're not paying me to do this, but. You know, I'm just really thankful for the opportunity to get to so know know some of these people, and yeah, hopefully throughout uh, my you know hopefully long podcasting career, I'll be able to get to know a lot more of these people, and you know support the podcasting community here in the Philippines. All right, so that's it. Uh, uh, let's get to today's episode. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pisara Tales. I'm Jay Mistralia, or Sir Jay as my students call me, and this podcast is all about my thoughts and experiences as a young millennial teacher. Welcome. Thank you for listening to what I believe is episode 7 of this podcast. Uh, thank you if you're catching us either on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you got your podcasts. Uh, welcome. And well, for the past few weeks, I've had guests come in you know uh share their expertise share their experiences but this week it's just me <laughs> so this week uh, i'll just like to talk about something that is probably you know at the back of uh the heads of teachers all around you know th- this week we're going to talk about the different struggles that teachers face on a regular basis now uh before we go any further i would just like to remind people of my background i am currently a second year uh teacher right so this is my second school year of teaching for a private school and well i love my job of course um, this has been a dream of mine you know i shifted careers from being a scientist to become a teacher and yeah so far it's been really great but of course like with any job you know there are struggles and there are things that teachers in particular do struggle with and that is what I would like to talk about uh, this week. Now, you know, just to be clear, I don't really want to make this episode sound like something of a rat box or, you know, a bunch of uh, complaints, being ungrateful, stuff like that. You know, I want this episode to shine a light on what happens behind the scenes. So, you know, teacher, uh, sorry, students and parents and probably the general public, you know, 
they have this notion that uh, teachers are heroes teachers are you know teaching is a noble profession and yeah that's all well and good and i believe that as well but i just want to share some of the things that you know we struggle with as well uh just like with any job we have our downs you know after for every up we have a we have a down and this episode hopefully will shine a light on that and hopefully with this new understanding you would be able to appreciate our teachers more right so yeah um so there are a lot of struggles uh that teachers uh face when uh, throughout the course of their career uh i've been reading i've been researching on what are some of the struggles that uh, we teachers face i've also recalled some of my um, past experience in the past year that i've been teaching and i think i've narrowed it down to five struggles five main struggles uh, and that's what uh, i'll be sharing with you guys today so we'll go through these struggles one at a time and i'll expand probably you already have an idea on what some of those are but I'll try to expand and give my own perspective as a teacher, as a young teacher. I haven't had much experience yet, but anyway. So let's go right now to the first struggle, which is preparation. Now, of course, with any job, there uh, every job has a certain amount of preparation that you need to do. But for teaching, I'd like to think that teaching preparation in teaching is a lot more vital you know for new teachers or even experienced ones especially now because of this whole shift to online or blended learning teaching involves a lot of preparation a lot in my i recall in my first year i felt overwhelmed about the multitude of tasks that i need to perform i was hired a month before school started so that month you know was a whirlwind it was learning a lot on the job and preparing for materials and stuff like that so when teachers prepare what do we actually prepare so of course first and foremost the content so we we plan out what we're going to teach for the year for the week for the day you know and we also prepare a lot of materials um for elementary teachers i'd like to think that they do a lot of crafts as well because kids love crafts for high school students uh for high school teachers rather we prepare in a sense uh more on the content although we do we do do a bit of crafts as well but mostly on the content now since topics are becoming more and more complex and more and more comprehensive and yeah preparing for teaching for teaching content is a lot because you know it's not just relaying information so what teacher uh what teachers usually do is that they take in the information get the complex meaty bar complex meaty parts and we digest it so that when we relay the information to students they'll be able to understand the topic you know for science that's all that's a big thing that's a big part of the process of teaching wherein you have all these different jargon all these different um, terms and concepts that uh, you want the students to learn but sometimes they're just too complicated at the start so what teachers do i'd like to think that it's kind of like a mama bird uh 
pre pre digesting the food for their young. So we take in all these information and we process it. We make it more understandable. We don't really dumb it down. I mean, I don't want I don't want to call it dumbing it down, but we make it a lot more understandable for the students. So that when we teach them these topics, they would appreciate you know the concept more. They'll be able to retain information more, and that's a struggle because it's hard processing information. You want to be able to be effective, and in doing so, you have to process it properly without you know leaving out the important bits. Another reason why preparation is uh, pretty difficult is that you know your students are unique in their own way. And this is where uh, the concept of differentiated learning, personalized learning comes in. When we're talking, when we're teaching to students, what we do is that we do our best to cater to how they learn. So first, you need to understand the profile of the student. What kind of student are my kids? Uh, Are they visual learners? So are they good in comprehending? Are they good in analyzing? Um, are they, you know, kinesthetic learners? So do we need to involve movement in understanding these lessons? Are they auditory? Um, do they take down notes? So all of these quirks, all of these things that we have to know about our students. And then we fine-tune our lesson in such a way that the information they receive, the information they receive, uh, they'll be able to process properly based on how they learn. So tackling a lot of different concepts in a lot of different styles, you know, it can be difficult. It can be difficult. Um, differentiated learning is the, the way to go forward because now, you know, back uh, in the traditional days, you know, the, teach, the teacher is like the know-all, the end-all, be-all, you know, just the one style and then the students will adapt to them. Now it's the other way around. Now we have to do our best to adapt to the students. So that they'll be able to learn because of course as we know from multiple intelligence and other theories like that each learner is different and we have to understand that as educators now you know speaking of uh, theories we also have to continuously innovate you know teaching is dynamic it changes with the times it changes with new information that comes out so we have to keep up with the trend we have to continue to adapt to what is not just what is hip but more of what is effective what is more effective for the current generation so right now what we focus on in a bit would be engagement you know students are rather hard to engage they have short attention spans so we need to be able to maximize that attention span so usually this comes in the form of slides or you know games or whatnot and you know we have to continuously innovate we have to continuously innovate and so just on planning alone i would imagine that you know new teachers would have a difficult time because you have to take into consideration these aspects whenever you're teaching it's not just you know going in front of the class and delivering out a speech or whatnot so planning is key when delivering materials you know personally what i do is that i have this google sheet I have a Google Sheet that has my class schedule, and I also have uh, pages per section. And what I do is I write down 
what are my tasks for day? What do I need to accomplish in terms of their academics? What lessons am I going to do? What uh, asynchronous tasks or homeworks or worksheets that I have to prepare? And so I have this uh, multicolored sheet. And it helps me understand, you know, that it made me realize that planning is key. Planning is really key. It's not just key, it's vital. So, you know, lesson plans. That's why lessons, lesson plans are pretty much the standard for teachers. And when planning lessons, you also have to pre- prepare for the worst. So, obviously, uh, this pandemic has struck a blow in the education sector. You know, we could always say that nobody saw it coming, but in a way, we also have to have... Uh, we also have to have prepared for this in a bit. Uh, in, uh, prepared for this in a way. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, even prior to this pandemic, we've all, we've always had to deal with uh, suspensions, holidays. Here in the Philippines, there are a lot of holidays and a lot more suspensions, especially during the typhoon season. Yeah, that's really that's really a doozy. I remember when I was a student, I've always looked forward to these um, suspensions because it's a break from school I get to slack off and stuff like that but when I went to the other side man you know it was difficult because the first thing that comes to my mind is that my schedule is ruined that's <laughs> that's one school day that you know was taken out because of suspension because of something that is unexpected um, in terms of uh, when we're also preparing for the worst or preparing for the unexpected, we also have to consider, you know, miscalculating or mistiming our uh, pace. So sometimes there will be days that, you know, you feel like you've covered a whole lot of topics, going to be early in terms of the pace of the lessons because the kids are doing great. But sometimes, you know, the pace tends to slow up a bit because you didn't expect uh, students to have a hard or have a difficult time understanding a particular topic, a particular lesson, or having a hard time grasping a particular skill. You have to prepare for that. You have to allot time for that. And, you know, that's a lot of that's a lot of um, planning involved as well. And so all of these these things you also have to consider, you know, your expectations. How much do my students know already? Do I have a class that uh, is really good at science or do I have to refresh them on the basics? You know, these are things that you have to consider as well when you're teaching because you can't just uh, put an arbitrary start point and then expect them to adjust to that. It doesn't work that way anymore. Whenever kids are struggling, you know, you always find it in their heart to do your best to help them adapt. And so balancing all these things, you know, is really a struggle when it comes to planning. Um, I like to think, you know, some of the best teachers out there, they're the ones that are really organized. You know, they know what they're going to do for the week, for the day, for the month, you know. And that's the making of a good teacher. But it is a struggle. Believe me, it is. So that's struggle number one. Um, Struggle number two I think would be managing different stakeholders. What do I mean by stakeholders? I mean uh, people or the groups of people that are involved in the academic sector, in the education sector. So, of course, uh, I could 
the biggest stakeholder would be students. So students, of course, they're the ones who are learning. So we have to make sure that students learn. So there's that academic side wherein, you know, we have to meet the standards that they... Uh, we have to help them meet the standards that we're going to give them. You know, help them uh, understand more knowledge as they grow older. But also, we have to consider the social aspect of learning. You know, we have to guide them as they grow, as they mature, and in their interactions with themselves and with one another, with others. That's all. That's also a part of learning. That's also a part of teaching, actually. And nobody really wants students to fail, especially not teachers, because apart from them having a bad grade you know it it's a blow both for the students of course who, who might get discouraged by low grades but at the same time for teachers because we tend to think about have we done enough have we done enough for this kid and if they fail then maybe it's our fault maybe it's not their fault maybe it's our fault so those are the things that are running through our through, through our heads whenever students fail so when they do fail, you know, there's a lot of evaluation. We have to understand where, what went wrong. Did I not give enough lessons? Did I not allot enough time for the student to digest the topic? Did I not teach them this? Did I not teach them that? You know, all these things, they, they have to be um, done to understand why a particular student fails. And so that's a struggle. That's one of the biggest struggles in terms of managing stakeholders so that's one uh that's one group of people that we have to um, worry about another group of people would be the parents so of course parents you know they want their kids to learn they want their kids to succeed and so they're going to do their best to make sure that kids learn and not fail well you know i've I've thought about some of the parents uh, that teachers have to deal with, not necessarily the parents that I have to deal with. I will neither confirm nor deny that. But I do hear stories of teachers having to deal with parents. And I I think I can classify them into two really broad strokes. So on one hand, you have the parents that are rather micromanagers. And I mean this in the kindest possible way. There are parents who think that their kid is the smartest kid and they just want the best for their kids. And maybe a little bit too much, uh, to be honest. You know, they, they want them to succeed. I mean, that's, that's, that's normal. They just want their kid to succeed. And that's great. But sometimes they could get overboard, you know, to the point of criticizing or nitpicking on teachers' styles. And to be honest, that can be... Uh, a little bit too much it could be um, annoying at best and uh, dangerous at worst because it kind of discourages us as well you know we're doing the best we can we're on the same team here you know uh, I think some some parents would have would need to cut a bit of slack for teachers uh, but I mean you can't really blame them because of course they just want the best for their son or daughter and there's not much we can do about it but that is a struggle. So that's one kind of parent. The other kind of parent, which I think is just as bad, you know, are the ones who are neglecting. The ones who are, you know, here's my kid. 
do your job, teach them how to be a good person, blah, 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 blah. And then they're not as responsive when we have to talk to them, when we have to let them know how their kid is doing in class, your performance. These are the type of parents who are probably too preoccupied with other things, probably too preoccupied with their job. And so they kind of treat teachers as like a daycare. And, you know, that is also not great. <laughs> uh, your pa- parents need to be involved as well in the development of their children. They have to understand that, you know, we're a team here. Teachers are meant to work together with parents. But sometimes there can be difficult parents. And, you know, that's really... So you're already balancing, you're already managing uh, the disposition of your students. You're also uh, balancing, you know, how parents would react. Another group that you have to worry about would be the admin, your principals, your bosses, coordinators, what have you. Of course, their job is to make sure that schools are run smoothly. But just like with any job, you know, there can be conflicts. There can be um there can be differences in ideas, differences in points of view, and sometimes that can cause friction. And I mean, this is still a workplace, of course. You know, normal workplace issues. You know, if you hear stories of you know, people hating their boss and stuff like that. We're no different. <laughs> um, there are, I'm pretty sure, there are teachers there who probably hate you know their uh, the coordinators or bosses or their principals or what have you. And yeah, that, that that will come up. I mean, especially with people as passionate as teachers, that that comes up a lot. But ultimately, it's all it's all in good faith. I mean, everyone just wants the best for students as well. And so those are really three stakeholders. But I would like to add one more stakeholder, and I think that is the general public. For the general public. I think there is this stick well there are two main issues regarding the general public. First, there's that stigma that teaching is not a lucrative job. Nobody goes to teaching for the money. It is um it is a weird concept for a person to go into teaching because they want to get rich. It's not that. <laughs> I'd like to think that, you know, even in the most developed countries, people aren't going into teaching for the money. But here in particular, here in the Philippines, there is that stigma that um, you know teachers are not making a lot. So what happens is that they stigmatize it in such a way that, oh, um, wow, you're a teacher? Like, how can you feed your family with that? How could you provide for your family? You know, that, that's a worry. And, you know, a lot of these teachers are moms or dads and you know, it's it's just disheartening as well because you think about that stigma. Another issue with the general public is a lot more rampant now, this whole concept of miseducation, of smart shaming. Especially for teachers nowadays, we have to help our students understand what is true, what is fair, what is right. And because of, you know, the advent of fake news and misinformation, we're doubling down on this. We're doubling down on how can we help our students learn? How can we help our students understand what is right, what is wrong, what is proper, what is just, what is true? So managing all these different stakeholders, students, uh, parents, admin, and the general public, that is a struggle in itself.
And it's a doozy. So that's struggle number two. Struggle number three, I think, would be work-life balance. Um, teaching involves a lot of mental, emotional, and even physical energy. And it can be consuming. And so normally, in an ideal world, teachers would get all the rest they would need. But honestly, work doesn't end after the school bell rings. <laughs> work doesn't end after you know 3 p.m., 4 p.m. There's a lot of work to be done when you're being a teacher. So, okay. So, start of the day, of course, you would be preparing for the day's classes. So, you'll be making slides. You'll be making lesson plans, making materials. Uh, if they need to be crafted, if they need to be researched on, stuff like that. So, you're going to prepare for the class. And then, you go into school. You do the actual class. You would sit. Uh, you would stand in front of the students. You know, give a lecture or do an experiment if you're a science teacher or lab teacher. Uh, you could do different um, activities during class. So that's pretty much um, the eight hours in the day. And then after kids go home, of course, you'll be checking papers. You'll be um, checking their assessments, their quizzes, tests, homework, stuff like that. There's an old joke uh, amongst uh, teachers. I don't know if it's uh, also... An, an old joke and the other parts of the uh, other parts of the world but here in the philippines we had this joke that whenever uh teachers would go on a vacation it's usually to what we call czech republic you know because czech as in checking papers and then czech republic anyway it's it's, a, it's an old joke but my point is work doesn't end after the bell rings Teaching is not something that, uh, like a normal nine to five, that when you leave the office, you're good. You can uh, you can rest. You can be with your family. I mean, of course, we try to do those things as well. But more often than not, ninety nine percent of the teachers I know, and teachers that um, I know are probably listening to right now, ninety nine percent of you guys, you bring your work home with you, whether it be in the form of making slides. Or checking papers, you always bring your home work with you. I mean, it's it's already a vacation in itself. If you don't get to bring home, uh, bring homework with you. Yeah. Uh, so there's that work-life balance. It's a struggle, and this is a bigger struggle nowadays for millennial teachers. You know, uh, there are a lot more millennials that are becoming teachers, and work-life balance in itself, you know, for millennials is already awful. But it's a lot worse for millennial teachers. Um, there's a lot of things that run through the minds of millennials in itself. And then you add to that, you know, being a teacher where you have to prepare, you have to do a lot of planning. Yeah, it's it's a it's become a struggle uh, nowadays for for millennial teachers. So there's that. So that's uh, struggle number three: work-life balance. The next struggle, I think, is a lot, a lot more um, specific for uh, Filipinos, for Philippine teachers. And it's this whole concept of teachers are some of the most overworked yet underpaid professions here in the country. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here, here in the Philippines, we are some of the most overworked and underpaid. So... TeacherPH.com uh, wrote a, an article, so they researched an article about the teacher salary here in the Philippines. So this is in 2019, so last year. 
uh, on average, the current salaries for uh, public school teachers in the Philippines is twenty thousand pesos. So twenty thousand pesos just that's just a little over four hundred four hundred dollars a month. Four hundred dollars a month for teachers to do what they do, which is a lot of the things that I've already discussed a while ago. And so you know, that's uh, that that may sound a lot. That that doesn't really sound a lot actually. I mean, considering the prices of goods and services here in the Philippines. Twenty thousand a month is not a lot, and that's for an entry level teacher. Of course, you know higher levels would have a bit more salary, but if you're supporting a family on that salary, it's not enough. I mean, it's barely enough for a single person to do so, let alone for someone who's probably shouldering uh, expenses of their family, helping out in their family, and that's just in public schools. For private schools, it's um, a lot lower. So the article reads, "Quote." Public school teacher salaries is on average 72% higher than in private schools. For elementary, uh, for elementary and high school teachers in the public schools, they're getting around their 20K. For private schools, it's a lot less, around 11K on average throughout the country. 11K! That's a little over $200 a month. So if you already think that being a public school teacher doesn't make a lot of money, it's a lot worse for private schools out there. And this is uh, this is not even um, consistent all throughout the country. Of course, in in metropolitan areas, for those who are teaching there, they get the they get a lot nearer to the twenty k average. But for those in the provinces, for in the far flung areas, you can get as low as it can get as low as seventeen k, eighteen k a month. So imagine, you know, and private school teachers are making a lot less than that. So imagine the disparity between, you know, the amount of work to be done and the compensation that you get. And, you know, this is this is weird because in the 2020 budget, um, I researched in the 2020 budget, the education sector is getting around 650 billion pesos 650 billion pesos, which is a, probably one of the biggest chunks in the national budget, the 4.1 trillion pesos. And so, you know, if the education sector is getting that big of a chunk, why are wages low? Why is the state of education in this country dismal? It's, it's baffling to me. And, you know, that's uh, something that teachers do struggle with. And so you have these four struggles, these four different struggles that um, teachers face. So you have, you know, the amount of work to be done in the preparation. You have uh, balancing the morale or balancing the uh, reactions of students, parents, admin, general public. You also have to worry about your own life, you know, work-life balance. And now you're not getting a lot of uh, compensation in return. So all of these things, you know, they lead to the fifth struggle, the final struggle that I'll be discussing today, and that is disillusionment. Because of the dismal state of being a teacher in this country, a lot of the teachers are losing their drive they are resenting their jobs, which is sad because um, a lot of people 
attribute their um, dreams, they attribute their drive to teachers themselves. And, you know, teachers, uh, teachers themselves are, you know, losing their passion because it's not great. Well, here, it's not that great. It's not as great as it could be. And honestly, sometimes it sucks. You know, doing a lot of work for not a lot of pay, managing a lot of different heads, managing a lot of different um, uh, problems, preparation. A lot of teachers tend to lose their drive. Some of them stop innovating. So some of them become stagnant. You know, they do the same thing over and over again, year in and year out. They're not uh, adapting to the times. And there's also that notion that that teachers have to be a role model, which is true. Of course, teachers have to do their part in being a role model for their students. But sometimes it can be misconstrued as expecting teachers to be a saint. That could really mess with us a bit. Because teachers are humans too. I mean, we get sad too. We get tired stress like with a lot of you and sometimes you just like to have fun i read in an article that that article about the millennial teachers and their struggles let me just quote it a bit so they interviewed a a millennial teacher and the the teacher was worried about their superintendent um micromanaging them on what they post on social media which is insane because uh you know we have our lives too. So, I, I this teacher was, I think, posting um, well unintended uh, social media posts about you know her uh, having a good time, you know, drinking alcohol. Of course, they're not really promoting the consumption of alcohol, but I mean, they're over twenty one, so it's not really a legal problem for them. But the fact that they posted about it and their superintendent could uh, could have written them up for it. That's insane because it's probably their way of relaxing, de-stressing from their struggles and even that would be taken away from them. So this whole notion of teachers having to be saints, teachers having to be, you know, good role models, flawless role models, it could add to the disillusionment. It could be tiring to have to manage a lot of different faces to a lot of different people. So there's that. Those are the five biggest struggles I think that teachers face, you know, especially here in the Philippines. So there's preparation, managing different stakeholders, work-life balance, overwork and underpaid, and disillusionment. So, you know, that's a lot to take in, but there are things that we can do. And I think we've I, I tried to narrow it down to three levels. So first, on the first level... Uh, what I call the personal level, I think teachers would have to focus a bit more on taking breaks. It's kind of timely that I did an episode last week about uh, productivity and what uh, our guest told me. So if you haven't heard, go check it out. You know, Episode 6 talked about student productivity. Cells, who was our guest there, she mentioned that you know her biggest advice to students when they're doing work would be to rest when needed. And I think that's applicable as well for teachers. You know, taking breaks is not bad. It is actually important for us to keep going. So for any teachers out there who are listening, take a break every once in a while. And not just like taking breaks. Uh, of course, there's, you know, taking breaks as in, you know, after the school day, unwinding at home, being with your family, doing what you love. 
but all and setting boundaries as well but also if you can you know have a vacation do so setting boundaries of course you know nowadays especially here in online learning i think uh students have this false notion that you know they could reach us 24 7 and that's not supposed to be the case i mean there has to be a set boundary you know in terms of answering work calls answering uh, questions from uh, students from parents even from your administrators you have to set boundaries you have to give yourself a break you have to get a lot yourself time to breathe me personally doing this podcast is pretty much my creative outlet i mean i i still love doing what i do in being a teacher uh, but this is a way of uh, me uh, achieving my creative outlet and one more thing for teachers i think you have to periodically check up on ourselves you have to ask ourselves why are we doing this why are we being teachers why are we still in this profession we know what the job entails we know we know what comes of it so why are we still doing that and i think when we reconnect with how why are we doing this it helps us further our drive it helps us to remember our passion and do what we love to do what we're doing you know for whether it be for the love of your students whether it be because you want to affect change on this kind of level or whatever reason it may be i think you have to reconnect with that every once in a while so that's the personal level i think on a community level there are also things that we can do and the first thing i believe would be to encourage uh, students parents the general public to value teachers of course, there's a lot of uh, affirmations going around saying that you know teachers are uh, some of the most noble people out there, doing the best they can, you know, doing a lot of work for very little pay, and that's 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 very appreciated. Of course, we we appreciate those uh, sentiments, but sometimes it can be disheartening when there are time uh, when there are people out there who think who devalue teachers. So a few hours before recording this, I was on Facebook and I was you know, looking at my feed and I saw this screenshot of a person. So the context is that as of the time of recording, uh, the Department of Education for the Philippines, they moved the start of school year 2020-2021 from August 24 to October 5, which is more than a month, right? A lot more time So to give the teachers uh, time to prepare. And, you know, I saw the screenshot of a person, of someone who commented on that particular article. I won't say their name. But this person said that, you know, for that time, the, this person proposes that teachers don't get paid. He pro- uh, the person proposes that these teachers who are doing their best to prepare for the incoming school year don't get paid to have savings i don't know for what reason maybe to have savings for to redirect to other uh sectors that are in need right now and you know that really ticked me off because teachers are some of the most hard-working people and you want them to get less pay because you're assuming that they're not doing anything in this break that this is a time for them to slack off no it doesn't work that way and you know when you have certain people like that having those kinds of thoughts that it devalues the effort the work put in by so many great teachers out there 
<clears throat> it just sucks. I think we have to change that mindset. I think we have to value our teachers more, and not just with lip service, but also with concrete action, uh, which I will discuss in a bit. Also, um, teachers will have to do their best to have parent and student involvement to foster student and parent involvement. It's a education is a team. It's a team thing, right? So it's not just us delivering information. What we do is that we have to coordinate with parents. We have to coordinate with students, understanding their needs, understanding um, our goals, our shared goals together. And I think with a lot more involvement, you know. Once um, there's a lot more involvement from the parent side, from the student side, from the teacher side, you know, working in, in unison to achieve a goal, I think that's great as well. You know, for helping us, uh, for helping us lighten the load in our struggles. So we've talked about personal level, talked about community level. Now we get to the nation level, to the national level, and I think this is where much change can occur. And the number one point here is I think uh, governments would have to reprioritize education. Yes, they do. Maybe not right now because, of course, it's pandemic. But at the same time, uh, reprioritizing education is um, the biggest thing that uh, a nation could do for its people. Like I mentioned a while ago, the Department of Education in this country gets the biggest chunk, one of the biggest chunks of the national budget. But despite that, you know, there are stories out there of teachers having to shell out some of their personal money just so they could prepare for online classes. And that's just sad. That's just sad. I mean, public school teachers, private school teachers shouldn't have to have, you know, their own hard, uh, you know, money that they worked hard on to reinvest into their job. For public school teachers, you know, the government should have provided for that. That should have been the government's responsibility. You know, why is it still the responsibility of the teacher to shell out money? Of course, you know, you wouldn't hear too much complaining because uh, teachers are fearing the the backlash that comes with it. And, ah, you're ungrateful. I mean, I thought this is what you wanted, that you wanted to help, blah, 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 blah. But no, I mean, that that's just, that's the thing. There, there has to be government action. There has to be government involvement in reprioritizing education. Why is it that you know other sectors are getting a lot more pay, when um, while they are important as well, they're not as they're not they shouldn't have been the priority, right? Um, education is education here is important because we're dealing with the next generation here. We're dealing with the next generation of Filipinos or. Uh, dealing with the next generation of world leaders here and if you're not going to give them proper education who knows what might happen with with us here so i think you have to reprioritize that uh so that that involves raising teacher salaries from a measly 30 20 000. i think um certain groups uh certain action groups are proposing to raise that to thirty thousand. All right, just to keep up uh, with the co- so, so so that teachers will be properly compensated for their work at the same time keeping up with uh, the price of goods and services around, and also providing more benefits. Um, some of these benefits will be probably in the form of allowances or in the form of better working conditions. So yeah, I mean it has to start from the national level. It has to start from the national level. This has to be a priority for the gov- for any government, not just 
us in the Philippines, but for any government who has been neglecting the state of their education. You have to give teachers more wages, man. You have to. So, you know, final thoughts. I think, you know, I've mentioned a lot of the struggles that teachers face. And despite this, I am so proud. Uh, my colleagues, I'm so proud of all of you guys. So I'm incredibly touched for um, my coworkers, my teachers or coworkers. If you guys are listening, um, I would just like to commend you for the effort, for the job that you're doing. And for all of the teachers out there, your work is appreciated a lot by a lot of different people, right? Um, and to the general public, um, while words of affirmation are really appreciated as well, they're great. I hope that you could join us in um, alleviating these struggles. You know, tangible action is necessary if we want to have lasting and systemic change, especially in the education sector. Okay, so that's it. I mean, thank you, thank you for listening. If you guys have any thoughts, any comments about this week's episode, uh, feel free to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Yes, we have a Facebook page now, so. You can look us up at the Pizarra Tales, right? That's at the Pizarra Tales. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you have any messages, comments, suggestions for future episodes, um, if you don't want to do that, you can email us, thepizarratales at gmail.com. So thank you for joining us for this week's episode. The original music that you heard and we'll hear was composed by AJ Drillin. And uh, thank you. Once again, this is Sir Jay wishing you a wonderful day. <laughs>